When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Gabbing with Gib. I'm your host, Gibson Johns, and today on the show, it's all about Southern hospitality. My thoughts on the show, that explosive finale, the reunion trailer, and then a 20-minute interview with Joe Bradley himself, where we talked about why he tried to play both sides of the group so often, where things stand between him and Danielle Oliveira from Summer House, the Countess Luann of it all, and whether he sees hope for his friendships within this group moving forward. It's funny because I feel like at all times, there's always like one underrated, seemingly like under-discussed Bravo show that gets the quote, don't sleep on this treatment. So for a while, it was Real Housewives of Potomac. Then it was Family Karma. Now for me, it's Southern Hospitality. Married to Medicine kind of has operated in that space a lot too. There's shows that have these incredible casts, huge promise, but for whatever reason, just aren't drawing the attention that they deserve. They have these like small but mighty legions of fans that kind of sing the praises of the show, but they haven't fully caught on with the broader Bravo audience all the time. I feel like Potomac obviously graduated out of that era. And now this season being an exception is a huge fan favorite while Family Karma unfortunately, kind of got put on pause because it could never really find that audience that it should have. And with Southern Hospitality, we have this infectious group of people who work at Republic, which is the Charleston nightclub owned by Leva from Southern Charm. There are so many things to like about this show. It's, you know, most of the group have known one another for years. So there's this genuine interconnectedness between them. There's genuine emotion amongst them. And there's care between a lot of them, which makes the inevitable mess that they stir up amongst one another sting that much more. They're fun and funny and imperfect, and they're all trying to make names for themselves, too. It's like they're all scrappy and they all they live in like nice enough apartments. Right. But they're not it's not like overly aspirational. There's a relatability factor there, which makes it endearing. And there are some genuinely big stars also amongst them. And then that being said, I feel like even if they're not like a big star, everyone on the cast does at least serve a purpose and and kind of plays their role well. And it's been said, but this group is, you know, the closest we'll ever probably get to capturing anything close to the early uninhibited drama that made the early years of Vanderpump Rules such like magical and honestly timeless reality TV. And the drama might not be quite on that level, but again, it's the closest we've seen, I think. And I'll keep screaming it from the rooftops until people finally start to listen to me. Like, if you're somebody who has been complaining that this current season of Vanderpump Rules is not giving the level of drama that you want it to give, but you aren't watching Southern Hospitality, then you're just doing yourself a disservice, honestly. And I don't know what to tell you. Just start to listen to me. I promise you won't regret it. And there aren't that many episodes of this show, so it's a pretty quick binge. And then side note, like, I do think that the expectation that Vanderpump Rules would be delivering Scandaval-level tea again this season is very silly. Like, it was never going to be that, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. Anyway, the Southern Hospitality finale really had it all. It was Joe and Maddie complaining about Emmy's promotion over them, and then Emmy and Will lip-reading them from across the room and being offended by it. Joe making his thoughts known to Leva and Emmy directly. Bradley then having lunch with and then bringing the girl who Trevor 
was accused of cheating on Maddie with two wills going away party slash 4th of July party. Maddie agreeing to chat with this girl before instead just walking her out the front door and then locking her out of the party. And then when Mia tries to bring her back in, Maddie still locks them out and starts screaming at them through the glass door, but they can't hear a word she's saying because it's soundproof. Amazing moment. And then Will and Joe have this ill-advised drunk conversation about the future of their friendship, which honestly, that part made me a little bit sad um, because I feel like they just aren't seeing eye to eye. And they they clearly had a really great friendship there at some point. Obviously, Grace Lily bringing the wavy baby vibes. And then the final five minutes of this episode, you guys, like where Maddie and the girl that her boyfriend, again, maybe cheated on her with, finally have that confrontation. And then Bradley and some of the rest of them start to piece together the fact that Maddie wasn't being truthful about this recorded phone call that Trevor had with this girl. And then she reveals that she was actually on that phone call and she had sort of been acting when she told Joe about it. And then, I mean, it kind of like blew your mind. It was, it was, she was on the phone call and she seemingly lied about it. But like, I'm sorry, this shit is fucking good. This is a good ass show. And not only that, but, but then the reunion trailer comes out and it looks like this like fantastic hour of reality TV. We see TJ say that he's 99% sure that Joe had hooked up with Luann. We find out that Emmy is apparently no longer in the role that she was promoted to. Bradley and Lucia say they aren't seeing one another. I mean, I'm buckled up, honestly, just so you know, like that trailer and also the finale came out after I'd interviewed Joe. So we didn't talk about any of those particulars. But yeah, and then there's my interview with Joe Bradley, which you'll listen to in just a minute here. But we recorded it a day before the finale aired. So we had not seen the trailer for the reunion or the finale. But again, so we didn't get into like the specific details of those particular episodes and trailers. But we did talk about kind of the season overall and and this feeling that he has had of being sort of caught in the middle of the group this year and how playing both sides of the group backfired on him. We talked about what kind of hope he feels for the future of these individual friendships and also just how he feels coming out of the reunion taping, which I've heard is like a doozy. I've, I've heard a lot of things about it. And um, it seems like he was in the hot seat for a lot of it. And, you know, he, he clearly was feeling kind of like emotional about it. He also gave me an update on the status of his relationship with Danielle from Summerhouse. Um, they had started seeing each other after BravoCon. They had sort of publicized the fact that they were visiting each other in Charleston and New York. And, you know, it was on social media and they were giving interviews about it. I mean, Danielle was on my show in December and we talked about it and she was smitten and Joe was smitten. But it seems like that has sort of ended. We discussed the reports that he was seeing hanging out with Luann Deliceps after their joint appearance on Watch What Happens Live a couple weeks ago. And then he said, and he said in this interview that like Danielle was upset about that. And so he didn't fully set the record straight because again, like that reunion trailer had not come out. So that 99% sure comment from TJ had, I had not been made aware of that yet. So um, it was interesting kind of seeing what Joe said to that question, especially in the wake of what we saw last week from that reunion trailer. But yeah, it's a great interview. And I think, again, I've I've really loved kind of interviewing some of these people at the end of the seasons because it's really it gives you a lot to reflect on. It's sort of like an exit interview, honestly. And you you have a lot to work with because we have seen the footage, you know, and and it's it's interesting to hear what some of these people have to say in that sort of reflection period. So anyway, don't miss the Southern Hospitality season two reunion. It's on Thursday at 8 p.m. ahead of the Summer House season premiere. So excited for that season. I think that's also going to be a doozy. And also go back and binge the show on Peacock if you somehow made it this far into this episode, but have not done yourself the service of watching Southern Hospitality. Because I, again, you're not going to regret it. It's a great fucking show. And also please make sure, obviously, to rate, review, and subscribe to Gabbing with Gib wherever you are listening to this right now. 
Anyway, enjoy my chat with Joe Bradley. I want to gab. All right, today we're gabbing with Joe Bradley, star of Southern Hospitality, whose stellar second season is unfortunately coming to an end. Joe is an immediate standout on the Soho cast, and his star continues to rise within the Bravo-verse. He was on Gabbing with Gabe at the beginning of the season alongside the rest of his castmates, but I'm excited to get some one-on-one time with Joe. So let's deep dive into everything, season two, the past couple of months. Joe, it's always a pleasure. How are you? I'm great. It's always a pleasure. Gibson, yeah, I feel like it's an honor. I finally made it to like, you know, <laughs> the main seat on your, your my favorite podcast in the Bravoverse. So wow. B- big, big accolades from right off the right <laughs> off the bat. I know you're trying to get you're trying to gussy me up a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you ask any hard questions today. <laughs> yeah, listen, when I had you guys on at the beginning of the season, I asked you all the same question, which was who was the messiest this season? And a lot of people said you. Do you agree with that? Do you, how did you respond to that being sort of the common answer yeah you know i I think it's like before when you asked me that question i hadn't seen any of the episodes yet and i think you know summer moves at such a fast pace and with everything happening i feel like i was having an amazing summer and then it kind of just like went from a very high point for me to a low point so after after watching it back i i feel like i have to agree that i was messy without trying to be inadvertently right inadvertently i think i was coping with a lot of my issues with drinking and overexerting myself at work and all of my energy i think i was kind of taking away from my friends and i feel like they suffered from my debauchery and okay my, my poor actions so you'll see in the reunion that i i do attempt to make my best apology were those apologies well received you probably can't tell me too much but yeah I, they were I think some were and some weren't. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. You, you, you tried, you're trying your best. And I feel like, again, I feel like the running theme of this season has sort of been you caught between Maddie and I guess Grace a little bit, but mostly Maddie and the rest of most of the group who aren't really hot on her this season. Like they aren't big fans of her right now. Is that still a balance that you have to strike to this day? Is that still sort of a divide for you? For sure. I think like this year, but compared to any other point in my life, I feel like there was definitely a big line drawn in the sand. There was like yeah. team A and team B. I've never, and you know, that's, that's what's got me in trouble in the past and it continues to do so. But pick a side, Joe, be a man, Joe. I really, in my heart, I'm not the kind of guy, if I have a best friend, unless they do me really dirty, I'm not going to abandon them and leave them on their own island. Right. So I think a lot of people question me taking sides as a loyalty thing or me being two-faced. But at the end of the day, I'm trying my best to be loyal to everyone. But sometimes when you get crossed, when you're trying to be in the middle of everything, you're going to get, you know, caught in the crossfire or other people are going to perceive you as not a loyal friend. And so that's what I'm trying to learn on. I think that's the biggest lesson I'm trying to. Right. I mean, that's that's a tough lesson, honestly. And and I mean, you're I feel like I'm the same way and that like you want to you can be both you can be friends with both sides. But I feel like it's hard when one side wants you to pick a side. Do you, do you oh. feel like do you feel like maddie or sort of like the will emmy contingent like do they do either one of those sides want you to pick a side more than the other yeah for sure and like it's it's a shitty feeling kind of i think that's when i snapped the shirt because i was overwhelmed i felt like you know i was a puppet being dragged (laughs) from both sides and when you get back to a corner and you feel like you're 
you know, being tugged at from both ends. Even I, I'm a cool, calm, and collective guy. I reached a bowling point, and it's really disappointing to watch myself act that way. And like a lot of it come off as I was like angry and jealous, and all of these qualities that I've never expressed. I've never been the jealous guy. And I, I watching myself at Republic with Emmy's promotion, I'm like, I look like a jealous piece of shit. Like, what, mm. what am I? What am I thinking here? But I think it was really just me in the hot boiling Charleston sun and just not being used to, you know, being in being um having such high expectations for my friends. I think it really got to me. Right. And then on the Miami trip, you catch you catch a lot of heat for apparently showing the group text that Maddie's not in. You showed her some some stuff of people talking about her. And, you know, again, Will, Emmy, and Bradley don't react well to that. What exactly happened there? Did you skip over things that you had said, like they claimed, or was it just an innocent thing showing her? What's what's your true point of view on what happened with that group text thing? Okay, so if you if there's a group text and you know people are talking about you, you automatically assume that is negative things. Like right. if, if okay, if like I had a group text with my friends in Charleston, you see like Gibson all over, and you're not in that group text, you're like, what the hell? What are they talking right. about? And, but then with this with our crazy friend group, they knew that, you know, they hadn't been close with Maddie in a while. And this group of people that do talk a lot of shit, I've, I've been guilty of it too. But like, even I think Bradley says that like the main point of a group tax is usually to talk some shit. And then I know I've been left out of group tax. I think after that, after that group tax, that got me in trouble. I think they made another one without me. So I'm like, God only knows what they're saying about me then, but okay. I know that a lot of the things that we were saying or they were saying about Maddie were, were from like concern. Cause even though you, with this group, even if we're talking trash about one another, it's really a lot of us out of concern and it's really like out of love too, you know? Yeah. Like I know, I know if like they're talking about me in the group text or like, what the fuck is Joe doing? He's not like, he's not, you know, it's, it's sometimes when, with like our personalities, when you talk trash, it is out of love. I do it with my family. I did it with my college friends, you know, but when it's a it's sensitive subject like this, like what was Maddie was going through, that's when it can get really dicey and it can be not something you put down in, in writing. Right. And my intention was showing Maddie wasn't like, ha, caught them talking shit. It was like, Maddie, other people care about you too. But Maddie took it the way that Maddie took it in the, in like the angle where like, wow, these people are really out to get me. Cause mm-hmm. I think Maddie felt alone all summer. And when Maddie was crying to me, like in the, in the back of Republic, I, I knew that most of those tears were just like about her feeling alone. And now I kind of feel the same way. So, yeah. Oh, so, so you kind of feel a little bit backed into a corner too from the rest I've of never them. felt this way. And I think that's wow. why. I, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But now I can emphasize with how Maddie pops off all the time. Yeah, for sure. And then we see at the 10th anniversary party that you and Maddie both sort of feel some type of way about this Emmy promotion where you ba- you said that you basically trained her and she sort of skipped over you. Yeah. And I guess like walk me through that reaction too, because I think it's natural that you reacted that way, but also, you know, they saw you and Maddie at the DJ booth and then yeah. things like that. So they, you, you, you didn't hide it, I would say. No, I, I was, I was sick of hiding it. And like, you know what? I think if you go back and watch the season, I'm Emmy's biggest fan. And if anyone knows me at work, I was the one that was actually trying to push Emmy to get promoted within her role as a VIP Got it. sales server. And, you know, instead, like, it's kind of like a the don't bite the hand that feeds you type thing. 
I feel like it wasn't her call to get that promotion as AGM, but the way she acted and she's like kind of walls in and she's like, I'm Joe's boss now. And I'm just, that kind of rubbed me off the wrong way. She comes outside, starts ordering me around. I'm kind of like have been the leader to her to, so for like the Uno reverse, it was an immediate reversal, right? It was Uno reverse. And it was just like, all right, Emmy, (laughs) if you're going to, if you're going to act like this, like let's have a chat before and then I can get on board. Don't, don't come in zero to a hundred. Got it. I think any, everyone that understood, everyone yeah. understood my reaction to that. So, and have you talked? Have you talked to Leva about it? Yeah, even that. When I talked to Leva, it was my frustrations were more so. I don't think Emmy is in the right position. I don't think that was the right promotion for her or the company. I think Emmy should have got promoted, but I think it should have been more so about like a, a sales VIP. Got it. Like me and Emmy have been partners in crimes, and like. Her promotion is more like the rules girl. And Emmy has no experience in management. She's not the rules girl. She wants to go be with the people partying and be with the sales like what I do. So so you're so you're a supporter for moving up just one step of yeah. it, one step at a time, basically, yeah. in your eyes. Like, okay. Yeah. And we're just like in the right direction. You're not my boss. Yeah. Like you're, we're equals. I, I love the equals with her. I think she deserves a promotion, but yeah. I don't think she wants that promotion either. And I think uh the viewers might see that a little later on. Interesting. Okay, Joe. So you and Danielle of Summerhouse hit it off at BravoCon, and it was kind of like a whirlwind situation. It seemed like you were visiting each other a lot. You know, we, you were talking about it. I mean, I interviewed Danielle went sort of in December, and we talked about it. You did some interviews, talked about it. Where do things stand between you and Danielle now? I'd say like kind of three or four months later. Yeah, so my, I think some of my best memories since I can remember have been like start a BravoCon coming up here to New York, her visiting me. And it was just like a lot. It was, it was so fast and so passionate that I just think it almost, it's kind of overwhelming for me with everything else going on. I just don't think I'm in like a position as a 28 year old Hmm. guy that works at a nightclub to be the caliber of man for Danielle Oliveira, who is just like, I think ahead of me in life in a lot of ways, Hmm. as far as like maturity and where she stands in her career. And I'm like in this tiny old quaint town in Charleston and she's like running laps in the big city like she's always have. And I think that's one of the reasons I was so infatuated by her. I'm like, I want to be with someone like Danielle. I just don't think I deserve Danielle. I don't think at this stage of my life, I'm the right guy for her. So I think it was best for us to to just kind of end things on good terms. Mm -hmm. I plan on seeing her. Oh, good. Been a singer this week because, like, I do consider her one of my closest friends, and I the last thing I want to do is just like hurt her. I'm like, who knows what will happen later on, but like, right, maybe like the right girl at the wrong time is the right mm. way. But I, I adore Danielle, and I, I can't think of a single negative negative thing to say about her. But I can think of a hundred negative things to say about me right now. Oh my god! <laughs> but 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 from your perspective, it it's it was an amicable sort of parting of ways for sure. I, okay. I th- I think it was amicable. I think both of us kind of knew it was definitely like mutual. I think we both knew it was time, but we didn't want to like let go because we do have strong feelings for each other. Yeah. And that sucks. <laughs> I mean, and and you live in different cities and, you know, you did this interview with Us Weekly sort of a couple of weeks ago where you said, you know, you were kind of pumping the brakes and you had moved to, you kind of expressed th- these sentiments a couple of weeks ago too. But then there was this whole thing with Luann who you were on Watch What Happens Live with. Yeah. What ha- what happened there from your perspective? Yeah, so I think like at that point, 
like a week before I did that. Po- in the, <laughs> I think in the eyes of everyone else, it was like, I'm pumping the brakes because I want to you know, hit it off with Luann. It was just really bad timing. I didn't know anything about Luann. I'm just like, okay, cool. I know she's a big star. I'm going on. Watch what happens. That wasn't even in like, you know, I, I just thought I was going to watch what happens with, with Luann. But right. I had started pumping the brakes well before the Us Weekly interview. And then I think that like, you know, it was all in good fun. Like me and Luann just hit it off and it was just like a very playful thing. And then this is kind of my first experience of other people seeing me. I don't even think they're like spotting you out. Yeah, basically, I don't think they, they did. They definitely recognized Luann before me, obviously. But I think this is my first time with like my phone's like ding, 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 ding. And like all these allegations are coming out and Danielle's upset. I didn't care about like these false accusations about me. I cared more about how it affected Danielle. She's had a hard year too. Mm-hmm. Hard me. And so I was like, this is unfair. This is not true. And it was, it was as simple as me and Luann. We talk about a lot of the reunions. So I don't want to say too much. I think we should okay. talk more. I think the the viewers, everyone should just go watch the reunion because it makes a lot more sense when you look. Okay. But it, but it was, there's misunderstanding in there. It's sure. not, it's not as it was reported in terms of the timeline and stuff. Yeah. I, I, we, I think a lot of people figured that, but yeah, it's and good to hear makes, you say that. It makes you realize, I think a lot of things in like the world with, you know, the big t- TMZ and all these articles coming out timeline, timeline is very important as we all know. Yeah. And they all, they, they'll tell you some juicy things, but they won't always tell you the timeline. So yeah, totally, totally. And, and that's a, that's a big, I mean, from your perspective, it's like, again, you have this your star is growing in this world. And like, that is a big thing to deal with is like, oh, oh shit. Like I can't be in a hotel lobby hanging out with another person and it necessarily being taken innocently or interpreted correctly. I, I go from being at Republic where everyone can find me. I'm in like in the, and you know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm used to that. I'm not, you know, I, I don't see myself as a star, but now that I, it's just something I have to get used to if I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's i mean and that's a that's i'm sure that's a tough thing to get used to but yeah. again this is i think you, you were put through the you were put through the, for the through the ringer for the past couple of weeks so i i you, i'm guessing you learned something from that experience i don't know and then and you obviously you filmed the southern hospitality reunion i've heard it was quite heated and 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 kind of big drama at this reunion how do you feel coming out of that taping I feel like I need a therapist. No, um, <laughs> Andy wasn't I, enough. <laughs> no, Doctor Phil. It's like it's it's Andy and Doctor Phil. But no, Andy did a really good job of feeling like we've known him for years, and, and you know, like he always does, his mediating yeah. crazy friend group. I think if it was, I think he was the only guy that could like be in between us and like get us all to take turns talking. Because I think the more heated a friend group is, the hardest thing to do, especially with our friend group, is like taking turns and hearing each other. And you can kind of see that when in the finale. It's like mm-hmm. hard to even have like a logical conversation with these people sometimes. But I think the reunion did a lot of positive things. Okay. But it, was, it was very hard. It was like I've never had like that much stress within one hour in my life, probably within mm. the, so. It's going to be very interesting for people to watch. It's going to be, it was so fast paced. It's going to be interesting to watch it back for me. I haven't seen it. And I just think everyone should buckle up and prepare to see everyone at their best and worst. Right. <laughs> we all and, look good, and, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and you and Oshin were fast friends. And I feel like that relationship 
ruffled some feathers with some of the people in the group, particularly Will, and sort of just how quickly you guys became close. Mm-hmm. Are you guys still close? And is that still like a point of contention for other people in the group? Yeah, I I do think I, I never like to say anyone would ever be jealous of a friendship. I think that's like a little lame. I think you can yeah. be upset. I understand if Will was upset because I was kind of spending more time with him during when Will was going through a hard time. But we're all going through hard times. And what I love about Oshin O'Neill is that when I'm hanging out with him, I forget all my bad times. But like that's also like not the most healthy thing to do. Mm. I think I, I do regret not, you know, spending more time with the people I've known for years. But I mean, me and Oshin hit it off. We're like, all right, let's let's go out. Let's take on the town. Let's go. So there's things I regret. There's things I don't. But me and Oshin are still very close. But I think I I need to do a better job of balancing all my friendships. Yeah. Well, it's also there's something to be said about sort of the phase of life and kind of just situation that you're in. It's like you and Oshin are I think are in a more similar situation than Will, who just started law school, doesn't live in Charleston anymore, yeah. and it, he's in a relationship. So it, it's it's you know that you're in different situations. So I think that's a natural thing that happens in friendships. But you also want to fight for the friendships that you care about. So it's a tough balance. Yeah. And that's like a really big, it's been a really big hard pill for me to swallow. Like, and you can relate, like we both went to Michigan, Mm -hmm. like all all my whole friend group. Like I I was just used to like our fraternity, all being buddy, buddy and no drama, all best friends. But then, you know, I moved down to Charleston, they moved to Chicago, New York, LA. And it's like, it's a really, it's always been a really hard pill for me to swallow of like losing friends and not like keeping up with them. So I'm sure you had to deal with that as it's, well. It's an adult. It's it's like the yeah, hard. I think it's one of the hardest adult problems to overcome because it's just you have to admit that you're growing up and at different stages of life as somebody else that you really care about. You know, it scares me. And I, yeah, me too. That scared scared me about Will leaving as well. Even yeah, though it was an hour and a half. It wasn't like so he was moving away from Charles. It's like we are going in different career trajectories and yeah, sucks, you know? Yeah. Okay, Joe, we have time for one last question. And I guess like, again, we'll see the in the reunion in particular sort of where things net out. Do you feel like there's hope for you to kind of reignite friendships with everybody in the group? Is there anybody who you feel like it's past the point of no return? Or do you feel hopeful about your individual friendships in this group? Yeah, I think I feel hopeful. I'm always, you know, a huge optimist, like, you know, champagne glass hat full kind of guy but there like, we go i i just think it's gonna be like people are gonna watch the reunion and kind of have that same question and i think there's a few people that i don't know if i could fully trust right now but i don't think any of my friendships are so far gone that they're irreparable they might never be the same but i want to get back to being like the glue in this group not the jackhammer i want to be that guy yeah. that like yeah we can all be friends but I'm realistic too. And I just don't know if like all of them are going to happen right away. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I, what you just asked, the question you just asked me is what I think about when I'm weighing up at night or in the shower. So <laughs> season three, Joe Bradley won't be the messiest one in the group. He'll be the the connector, you know, yeah. and you're, I feel like you're a connector and uh, just naturally, I think that's kind of your, your totally. MO. So yeah. anyway, Joe, thanks for taking the time and uh, congrats on a great season. I know it's not the easiest, but yeah. it was a great season. It really was. Thank you, Gibson. You're the best. Yeah. I appreciate you. And of I course. hope we'll see you out in New York. Yeah, totally. Thank you for listening to the show. Subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes. And subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And keep up with all things Gabbing with Gib at Gabbing with Gib on Instagram and TikTok. Gabbing with Gib is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth, and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest bookings, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gatheringwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support, and see you next time.